Here we are in sunny southern France at the beautiful La Muse Writers and Artists Retreat, where creative people, artists, writers come to express themselves, be creative, get connected, and be inspired. My name is Jason Crane, and I have a production company called Mighty Might Productions out of Los Angeles, and I'm directing documentary feature film entitled In a Moment, The Johan Aspelin Story. I just wondered what was special about being here. Like, why'd you come and what was special about being here? Well, I, I didn't know what to expect, honestly. I just felt drawn to it, which I know sounds really hokey, hokey, metaphysical, but I felt I didn't even know I was going on a retreat. I wasn't even looking for a retreat. I... I've been in love with Spain for the last two years, two and a half years, and I've been pretty much every year since I first came here. And I was trying to figure out all these different logistics with work and with my husband being able to come and not being able to come and his work schedule and all of these things. Spain for a month, not Spain for a month. I mean, just all over the shop. And then I don't even know how it came to me, honestly. I, I just Googled artist retreat. I've never even thought about that. That's what's crazy. I've never even considered, like, I don't, permission. I never even thought it was a possibility for me, quite, to be honest. So, La Muse was the first thing that came up in my Google search. I didn't look at any other places, any other, any other sites. I went to it. I read what John and Carrie had written and spent some time on their website. And then the final decision point for me was a testimonial I don't remember the, the, the author's name but he's an Australian novelist and he does a video testimonial in the library John Clancy John Clancy yes yes and I watched the whole thing and it was late for me it was like 10 o'clock I go to sleep early in LA but it was about 10 o'clock 10 30 at night and I I had to come I just totally was drawn I didn't think I didn't get permission from my client. I didn't tell Andy. I didn't say anything. I booked my all of my travel right then around, then and there around that that website, and then um, I sent an email to my my client, president of the company that I am consultant for, and um, just told her about it. And then of course Andy was great. You know he knew I was planning something. So and Andy's your partner. Andy's my my par- husband. Your husband. Husband. So, um, so then I didn't really know what to expect. I, and I had, I had thought, well, I planned, um, I'm directing a documentary right now about shaken baby syndrome. And the week before I came here, I purposely scheduled a two day, uh, meeting with my producer so that we could prepare for me, the director, then come to La Muse with my homework. <laughs> 
just to keep it general. And then when I got here, I for, I got into John's Jeep and two other LUM users, users were in the car <laughs> and we immediately clicked the conversation, just like when you and I met and your mom immediately clicked. Conversation was already off and running. Like I came in the conversation, we just all went and quickly came out that I had just lost my mom in September. In addition to my mom, I lost three other friends last year. Um, my friend Vasco is a cinematographer and he was killed in a car accident. And then um, the next week, my friend uh, Maricela from high school was died from diabetes. And the week after she died um, was the Brussels airport mm. terrorist attack. And my friend from high school, Gail, was killed. And her husband and her two children survived, three children survived the attack. They were all together, but she died. And then it was the week after that my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer. Mm. And that was April, uh, March into April. And then September 29th, my mom died. So it's a lot of people had a horrible 2016, but and, and I did too. And so what I didn't know coming to Lemuse was that I still needed to do a lot of healing. And I think one of the things that's so lovely about this place is it's set up so that anyone creative with any creative bone in their body can come here and have an atmosphere that's full of support to get the work done that you need to do. But also like in my case, I'm here for one week. I may not get to my work and I've learned that that's quite all right. I've got a lot I need to get through and walking through all of the hiking trails, listening to the river, the wind in the trees, the birds eating, meeting all these people from around the world and going up to my room and reading. I I mean, I'm embarrassed to say I've become a terrible reader. I don't read as often. To me, that equates as work. So I don't read for joy. I haven't in a very long time. And this is the first time in many years that I've sat and read. And then fun. I, and it's for fun. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? It's stuff that like people say, well, you just, you know, oh, I just read trash. I wish I could. I don't. I'm not trying to, I'm not a snob at all because I love my trash TV, but I want to read something that's stimulating my brain and that's hard to do when you're exhausted. Like I, yeah. that's what I, I succumb to television watching. So being at Lemuse has rejuvenated me just in a short time of year. I'm not saying I'm healed. I know I have a road, a long road ahead of me, but it's at least given me a, a head start and to be quiet to be humble, to be present, to sit with myself and my thoughts, and boy, the ideas. That's the other thing, too. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you're if you somebody who is creative and you have a block artistically, get your ass here <laughs> and have a couple of days of reading and time to yourself because then the ideas would just, it's like a wave. I have so many notes that I've taken of things I'll attend to later, but just... Full of ideas. Mm. Sorry if that was a long-winded no, answer. No, that's fantastic. That's beautiful. That's what I want. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Tell us your name and what you're here for. I'm Katja Allen. I'm an associate professor of marketing at Central Michigan University. And I was in Montpellier teaching an international business, a master's level international business course, and had a few extra days before heading back to the United States. And I have uh, had some writer's block after tenure, some post-tenure writer's block. And there's a lot of 
pressure in academia to publish, and I needed some place I could go to get away from the noise and the distraction. And I, again, did a Google search, writer's retreat, and Lemuse called me. So I made the trek from Montpellier to Lemuse to spend a week um, in nature to clear the to clear my mind. Um, the, to me, the most beneficial things from Lemuse are the people that you meet uh, that you otherwise wouldn't, the conversations that you have, the ideas that you get from other people that are not people that are in your typical circle um, are critical to your creativity. Um, yeah, and I know you were talking about you know, you have this wonderful relationship with your colleagues. And what did you call it? It was like the the different kind of connections. There's your social... Sure. So in social um, network theory, uh, you have your weak ties and your strong ties. And when you're constantly surrounded by people in your network, your, your strong ties, uh, you don't get new information. So when you're able to reach out to people from other uh, contexts for to... to performance artists, to screenwriters, to, um, you know, people from other places that you wouldn't generally find yourself. You're able to gather new information from those weak ties. Uh, so weak ties are actually better, stronger sources and more effective sources uh, for creativity and information than your strong ties that you find yourself in day to day. So I found that uh, Lemuse has given me connections that I otherwise wouldn't have, and those weak ties have been more effective in generating ideas than, than I find back home. And not a weak connection, like you didn't connect with the person, but, the, no, but, weak, but ties weak ties means like a... In my, they're not in my day-to-day... Close, so close They're not in my <clears throat> close social network. So strong ties are those people that are in your close personal network that you see day-to-day, um, Weak ties being the ones that are not people that you you would generally find yourself um, in a network with. Like you might never go to their house or... <laughs> right. Well, you just... They're you from just, other places. They're from other places. Right. And, right. Yeah. 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 Because I really, I really like the idea of what you were talking about the other day of... I guess the other day was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's been forever. What were you saying? It was something along the lines of... In you, that you'd feel, we were talking about being an artist, and you don't necessarily. We're gonna have some more wine, folks. You don't necessarily <laughs> feel like you're an artist, and like I have this really broad oh. definition of being an artist, which is an artist some is someone who makes something from their heart and shares it. As an academician, <laughs> I don't feel, is that a word? Yeah. As an academician, I don't feel as though I'm an artist, although in my heart I want to be an artist. Um, so I find that um, sometimes in academia, we're so pressured uh, to perform that we're, our creative juices are squashed. So being yeah. at Lemuse has allowed me to be an artist, and I can still do the work I need to do, but in a more creative, meaningful, purposeful way. Beautiful. Thank you. I'm glad you asked that follow-up question yeah, do about you wanna... weak 
No, yeah. I think, well, well, because <laughs> should I stop the recorder? Or keep no, going? Let's no, just keep going. We'll chat a little chat. bit. We'll chat. Let's yeah. chat. So well, it's all making sense now. So this the, paper I've been working on didn't make sense. Like it made sense, but it just made sense. Like superficially, it made sense. But now that I understand what social network theory is, it's um, so it's what we, we're doing here. It's what we're doing. The connotations. The connotations of those words. This is social capital. Yeah. Right here. What we're right doing here. Social is. capital. Absolutely. The the con the, the I think the um, I'm glad you asked that question, Laura, because weak. What was it? Weak. Strong um, ties. Weak ties and strong ties. Yeah. It's acquaintances versus like your family, it, right? The, it's a, it, they're poorly named in, yes. term, in the theory. Yes. I think. Yes. <laughs> no, because yeah. really, it's, it really what it refers to is the frequency of exposure. That's what it is. That's the, so mm-hmm. like um low exposure. Someone should drift into your life and drift that's, out again and yes. make a huge impact. And make a huge impact. That's exactly. It. So that's yeah. that's it. So and I, so that's something I want to talk about in my paper is that we. So, so weak ties are, it, it's a frequency. It's frequency of contact. Frequency of contact, that's, that's better. That's what it is. That's so better, when you yeah. talk about weak ties versus strong ties, it's frequency of contact. But using the network. word weak is so weak. Absolutely. It's the theoreticians. The theoreticians, yeah. Weak ties. The theoreticians weak. Exactly. So weak ties are, more, are strong and effective at things like well, helping people with job searches. So like Lee, for instance, she said her sister found her job, but she really was like uncomfortable with that because we know that you don't go to your strong ties for things like jobs. You go to your weak ties, which are people that you met at the job fair or people that you right. worked with that you, so you don't have... So it doesn't feel like nepotism. It's almost yeah. like karma and a combination of karma and, and a catalytic sort of thing that goes on because... Because when you meet people and and you have a new influx of ideas and energy from other people, you're you're getting um, you're getting input that fires you. It right. does. All of your receptors right. are going. And that's what right. you don't exactly. get from your strong yeah. ties. Exactly. So when you're looking at network theory, so strong ties refers to those people that are closest to you. See, your I would say they'd be steady. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Or so static. So maybe I changed the names of these. Maybe this is what that paper. So the paper is really cool because the original um, theory, there were, so the original um, hypotheses, we did a structural equation model, and what we found was that the, the weak ties, um, the, so the original theoretical model didn't pan out. So two hypotheses weren't good. So we did a better model and the other model showed that the weak ties were stronger. And that's what, that's the point is that your weak ties and weak is not a good word, but the ties, the people that you're not around. So the people I work with every day, those are my strong ties. My family, that's my strong ties. That's not effective at giving me new information and firing up my engine, so mm-hmm. to speak, because I'm with them that's all a the good time. Catalytic. That's not yeah. that word. So I'm yeah. not for two reasons. One is you have all the same information because you're with them all the time. So they're not giving you anything that you don't already know. Number two is you don't want to talk too much about things because you'll strain relationships. So if I want to talk about metaphysical things with my strong ties, Ugh, if I tell them that, they think I'm crazy, then... Yes. And you have to see them tomorrow. <laughs> I have to see them tomorrow, right? But I can talk to you guys about these things because you're my weak ties. And you're not... And I hate that word weak, but that's no, what it's, it's called. We know now what you mean. But in your paper, you're, are you going to now switch the... I'm going uh, yeah, to... Think about the terms. Because the weak ties, yeah. they're, they're more strong and more effective than that strong could, That ties. essentially could be your I part of your, your, your introduction, introductory, yeah. is that... First of all, the model doesn't work, and here's why. Yeah. 
you know, and this is what it really is. But we need to call it something different because yeah. a network theory, it's those people that are outside your network well, are the ones that bring you the most fire and the I know, I, listen, yeah. that is, okay, I know that Sarah so will be I mad at me. So I have been hating this paper exactly. for months and now I'm so passionate about it because it's right. all it's so powerful. to make sense to me. I went back up so... So, yeah, so maybe the paper's not finished completely, but I get now why the model didn't work. Now I know why those weak ties showed significance and the strong ties didn't in my model. Because there are different roles in your life. Yeah, because the weak ties have more impact. It feels really wasteful to, uh, like, you know, clean out these bottles and pour the water because I live in the desert. And it's one of the beautiful things about being here is that there's like this endless bubbling water <laughs> coming from the source. Yeah. The, do people here in town the, call it the source? I have no idea. I don't know what they call we it. We grew up at Lamuse, but... <laughs> um, you know, living in Tucson, Arizona, I... There's not an endless supply of water. We get our water from the Colorado River. It's diverted over miles and miles of desert. And here it just pours out of the mountainside. One of my favorite things. And then peel it while it's hot. Right. If you want it to peel easily and burn your fingers. Or, or let it and cool have it hard. and wow, have it hard delicious. and then it cuts your, your fingers. Yeah. So it's, it's <laughs> ladies get together, like 10 ladies. And they all show up with, you know, a kilo of chestnuts or two kilos or however many. And they do it all day. It's like a cool They had like a four-hour thing where they, they make this chestnut butter. And we have a chestnut festival in our village where we mm. have like the roasted chestnuts and cabbage soup. Ooh, and, delicious. Um, and Van Nouveau, which is apparently not a great combination for your digestion. Oh. <laughs> apparently a little bit rude. As they say, which I had a digestive system, so I've never gotten sick from it. But apparently, Van Nouveau chestnuts and cabbage is not a good combination. Van Nouveau? Fennel? New wine. Oh, new wine. So it's wine. like Beaujolais, oh. but since this isn't the Beaujolais region, you don't call it Beaujolais. Got it. It's new wine. I like to start things, I like to load things on the front end. My daughter and I have been rebuilding a relationship that... Uh, took on a different aspect when I was deep into alcoholism where she was the parent and I was the child. Mm. Where she took care of me and it was quite a burden. She always loved me and I always loved her. I was a good mother and, and did well for years but when I went into retirement I started drinking very heavily. I had all those hours stretched ahead of me. It wasn't boredom, it was because I had some physical pain but who cares? It, it's what happened. So anyway, um, going back, I've always, I've always enjoyed teaching, no matter what I did, and I've taught a number of different ways. And so The Learning Tree is my favorite ch children's book, and it's a fantastic book that I want to have sent here, and I didn't bring it with me. The Giving Tree? The Giving Tree, I'm sorry. Uh, what did I say? Uh, I meant The Giving Tree, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's probably one of my favorite books. Mm, yeah, it's an absolutely delightful book, and I, I think it's worth having for anybody of any age mm -hmm. to read. Mm -hmm. And what happened was that when, um, when Laura's father and I divorced, 
um, the learning tree was a book in the waiting room when we saw a psychologist mm. to work through our divorce, the children, their father and I. So, uh, and it was something that made, meant a great deal to my son Cameron, and I don't know if you read it too, did you? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so it's just, it's just a wonderful expanding book about the cycle of life, and I just mm. love it. We have uh, one of the original versions, one of the first editions, isn't it, Carrie? That was given to you by, it's still inscribed to Carrie when she was a little girl. Oh, mm. wow. And we were reading it to the kids. And, and the irony is that that book, the perception of that book, and we all seem to have a really healthy perception. I had some children's book writers here, one who's written loads and loads of children's books, and she despises it. She thinks it's the most negative story to tell children. And, and I was like, uh, I mightn't have written any children's stories, but I think you're way off here. <laughs> mm -hmm. But you know how somebody, the perspective on reality, our mm -hmm. perspective on reality can change something so beautiful mm -hmm. yeah. and trans transform it into something negative when it's not intended to be that at all. I wonder what her projection, you know, I wonder where yeah, she's yeah, that's coming the, from. Yeah, that's, that's right. It's each person's worldview, you know? Mm, yeah, exactly. So, um, what I brought with me, the book that changed my life is part of a whole whole change um, that I took on. Laura Jane took me to um, rehab in Grand Rapids. On Mother's Day. On Mother's Day, and I was, a down, <laughs> I was down and out. The book I brought with me is Daily Reflections. And it's a book of reflections by AA members, for AA members. And there's one for every day of the year. And I used this book for five years straight every morning when I meditated in the morning. It's the first thing I read after I did some cleansing breaths to calm my soul and spirit a bit. And even if you've never had anything to do with Alcoholics Anonymous, I don't think there's a one of us here that hasn't been touched by alcohol abuse in some fashion, mm -hmm. or knows someone who has. So that's pretty common. And this book helped me learn to love myself. And what I hadn't done before was, uh, I had always helped others, I had always had hope in my heart, but I had never cared for me. I'd always thought I was less than. And there are tons of reasons why I might think that, but the fact is that I'm the one that made the choices to get out of it with my daughter's help, actually. She was a great cheerleader. Mm -hmm. So what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, is read the meditation for today. <gasps> yeah. Would that be all right? Mm -hmm. Do you mind? Hence the glasses. Exactly, you can see. And it is the 13th? Yeah. It is. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. The word entered and the phrase entered into the world of the spirit are very significant. They imply action, a beginning, getting into, a prerequisite to maintaining my spiritual growth. The spirit being the immaterial part of me. Barrier, barriers to my spiritual growth are self-centeredness 
and a materialistic focus on worldly things. Spirituality means devotion to spiritual instead of worldly things. It means obedience to God's will for me. I understand spiritual things to be unconditional love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and humility. Anytime I allow selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear to be a part of me, I block out spiritual things. As I maintain my sobriety, my growing spirituality becomes a lifelong process. My goal is spiritual growth. Accepting that, I'll never have spiritual perfection. So one of my ways into stories was actually through my parents. And my dad, when he was putting us to bed at night, used to make up stories. And two of the stories I really remember him telling was, there was two um, Mexican bananas, Cheech and Kita. <laughs> and it was about their adventures because as a little girl on the way to school every morning, I used to take my banana out of my lunchbox and just sit there and squeeze it. And by the time I got to school, I had this black banana. My dad used to call me Bruiser. <laughs> so, so it was this whole story about how the bananas are trying to escape me squeezing them. <laughs> <laughs> and they would have the Mexican accents, too, which was fun. Oh. Um, and he told another one about a friend of my sister's who was... Sort of, she wasn't an only child, but she had sort of an only child mentality. Mm. And um, so the stories were called Brutilda. It was actually about... <laughs> Say who's about, but um, <laughs> she was just this terrible, spoiled little brat who was trying to get everything she wanted, basically. And my aunt used to tell stories about Cookie, Cupcake, and Gumdrop, which were a little group of friends. And Gumdrop was always getting in sticky situations. <gasps> oh, and Cookie and Cupcake always had to help him out. So I, I grew up with these stories and these original stories that could I could make into children's books one day because they were so vividly thought out and the characters were so fleshed out. So that was kind of my way into stories. Um, I always wrote as a kid and made my own little stories with my sister. And I remember the first one was about a pigeon named Frank from New York. <laughs> pigeon from New York. Um, that was one of our first stories. And I fell in love with writing and I was good at it. And so that was kind of my path into it. I did my undergrad, my bachelor's in poetry. And I really loved poetry, and I think I finished my bachelor's, and I started a master's in San Diego State, and I just, I didn't have the right mentors because they were discouraging me, and they would say things like, oh, just stop whining about boys, or stop this and this and that, and it was, it made me step back from poetry, and it made me just kind of, I felt like there was a lot of people who were very up themselves, and um, it wasn't approachable. And I'm like, I don't, this isn't what I want to be doing. I, Because I want to touch people. I don't want to be, oh, I'm so intelligent and, and whatever. So that kind of turned me off. Um, for various reasons, I ended up dropping out. I actually was in a very depressed state at the time. And I stopped going to school. And I stopped getting out of bed. And I couldn't do anything. And actually, one of my teachers at the time, she was a children's I was taking children's literature, and she, I remember, I showed up to her class one of the rare times I went to class, and she said, you're coming to dinner tonight. And I said, I am. I said, no, 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 and I immediately started making excuses, because I was so used to just isolate, isolate, isolate. Mm. 
no, you're coming to dinner. And I said, no, 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 yes, you're coming to dinner. She literally took me home and I sat in her kitchen and I just cried. I just, it was her and her husband and they were just so lovely. Hmm. Mm. And they took me into their home and their brother-in-law had committed suicide and they, they saved my life because I, I dropped out of school, which is what I needed to do at that time. And I got on Prozac and I, my mom came and picked me up and we went back, I went back home for a little while. Um, but that really changed the course of my life, but I got out of poetry and for a long time I just didn't want anything to do with poetry. Mm. And then this book. <laughs> <laughs> so this was um, my way back into poetry. And I found it just very approachable. There's a lot of parts that are very stream of conscious. It's not overworked. It, the language itself feels very like a conversation. And it was a conversation I needed to hear. Mm. Um, my first tattoo, and my only tattoo I ever mm. got, was on my 30th birthday to myself. And it's a line from this book. Um, so if you don't mind, I'll read the poem. Please. Um, and it's called Scheherazade who's the teller of stories, as you know. Scheherazade. Tell me about the dream where we pull the bodies out of the lake and dress them in warm clothes again. How it was late and no one could sleep. The horses running until they forget they are horses. It's not like a tree where the roots have to end somewhere. It's more like a song on a policeman's radio. How we rolled up the carpet so we could dance and the days were bright red and every time we kissed, there was another apple to slice into pieces. Look at the light through the window pane. That means it's noon. That means we're inconsolable. Tell me how all this and love too will ruin us. These are bodies possessed by light. Tell me we'll never get used to it. So that last line is the one I have on myself. Mm. Um, and um, he's also, uh, he's gay. And he wrote this about uh, his partner who passed away. A lot of the book came from that. So that was very powerful for me, and I was not in touch with that part of myself. I've had a lot of gay and lesbian friends growing up, um, and my sister said, it's kind of weird that you are always hanging out with gay people. And I, I said, yeah, I guess. And I never, I never let myself say that I'm gay um, in that way, but I'm actually bisexual at this point. I don't... Not worried about putting labels on it, but I just was so not in touch with that. So this kind of also helped me be in touch with that. Um, if I, I'll just read a quick paragraph. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, this is from you, Jeff, and this is also very powerful. You're in a car with a beautiful boy, and he won't tell you that he loves you, but he loves you. And you feel like you've done something terrible, like robbed a liquor store, or swallowed pills, or shoveled yourself a grave in the dirt, and you're tired. You're in a car with a beautiful boy and you're trying not to tell him that you love him and you're trying to choke down the feeling and you're trembling. But he reaches over and he touches you like a prayer for which no words exist and you feel your heart taking root in your body like you've discovered something you didn't even have a name for. Oh my God. And that is just, <laughs> I can't read it without crying either. But just the, book, the whole book is like this. It's just every poem is a good poem. I just... You described it perfectly, by the way, because I don't know a lot about modern poetry. I, I know nothing about modern poetry. <laughs> and that is, those two ones that you've just read, I absolutely, I, I connect with. Yeah. Thank that's, you. That's the problem, though. You see, there's so much pretentiousness that's, that's, yeah, uh, that's, that's attached yeah. yeah. to poetry. You're right. 
Because it's, it's like indulgence, like poetry, like in Australia, it's like seen as indulgence. If you're a poet, yeah. you're like, oh. <laughs> but the yeah. problem is, though, it's because you'll never make money. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, though, that the reason poetry is still part of our lives and the reason it's so powerful is because it is so powerful. Mm. But because of all these idiots that come along trying to teach it who are not connected at all with the stuff. It's the same with me in drama. I did dra I did a master's yeah. degree in drama. I finished it a year before everybody else because I just... It stopped me ever writing plays again. Mm -hmm. I didn't write a play again until about a couple of years ago. You know, it's like I'm never touching this again because it was all so pretentious. Mm -hmm. It was all... There was nobody speaking from their heart. It was all about, you know, who can say the more, more intelligent thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm there trying to look at, like, <coughs> what's the story here? What are we, what's, what about the human heart and soul are we trying to learn here? Yeah. 